Gar and I, as you know, as we sit here together and, and talk about this, we, we understand accountability and we are accountable for what this team did this year. We don't run away from it. We accept it. Uh, that's that's on us. Locked on Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. For me to be here in the NBA organization, such a historic organization that Chicago Bulls, so it's just a dream come true for me. Live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. This is going to be a process. It doesn't, you'll snap your fingers and it all happens at once, but um, that's the plan moving forward. So kick back, relax, and get ready for the best hour of your day. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Jordan Malley along with Matt Peck. We're live on Dash Radio, dashradio.com and the Dash Radio app. On the Nothing But Net channel, we're live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. Follow us on social media on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked On Bulls. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Locked On Chai Bulls. Subscribe to the show, iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts you will find us make sure to follow the locked on podcast network on facebook and twitter as well well welcome to probably the one of the best days of the nba season and i guess of the calendar year if you're an nba fan because this is the nba trade deadline there was a lot of stuff going out there at the beginning of the week matt that oh this deadline looks like it's going to be kind of quiet that maybe there's not going to be a whole lot of moves made other than maybe that blake griffin trade was the biggest deal to be made but holy crap did we get a lot enter lebron james <laughs> trade everybody enter gm lebron james as the cleveland Cavaliers pretty much flipped their a good portion of their team in the matter of 15 minutes. But Matt, what's going on? How did you like this NBA trade deadline? And were you shocked by some of the moves? I was definitely shocked. Look, we all thought that the clip, uh, the Cavs, pardon, were going to try to do something. There were talks about maybe trying to bring DeAndre Jordan. Uh, they were rumored to be attached to George Hill for a long time. That actually did end up happening in a three-way deal. Um it, I mean, it was so entertaining. This morning, I was waking up, and I was kind of, like, getting ready to be disappointed. Like, ah, I just had this feeling that really not much is going to happen today. <laughs> and still, for most part, for most of the morning, not much did happen. Just a few tweets here from the, from from Woj or Shams or, or, or Mark Stein. And then all of a sudden, it was like, holy crap, the Cavs and the Lakers have a deal. And then it was like, whoa, wait, hold on. There's another deal happening, a three-way deal, and the the Cavs are getting George Hill too. And now it's like, oh wait, hold on, we're also sending D Wade back to Miami. Like it was so crazy that all of that happened in such a short amount of time. Clearly, that was the biggest storyline, and you know, shipping out Isaiah Thomas, who never vibed in in uh, in Cleveland. Um, it's I'm I'm so excited to see what a basically a brand new Cavs roster can do to try to right the ship as they make their way into the playoffs. From the Bulls fans' perspective, a little bit of a disappointment. Like the Bulls make two deals, but Robin Lopez and Justin Holiday are both still here. So as far as what Bulls fans were maybe hoping for to try to trade away either of those guys or one of those guys or both of those guys and try to you know add another draft pick for this rebuild and kind of steer even more towards the tank provide some minutes for some of the younger guys that didn't happen the bulls essentially make a couple of deals that aren't great deals aren't exciting deals but they do 
for the most part, makes sense. Yeah, and I'm I'm actually excited to get get into this with you because I feel like for the most part, what the Bulls did in the three moves that they made before this deadline were actually a lot better than maybe most teams. That I would say there's like a category of five teams that you had to pick as the winners of this of this NBA trade deadline. I feel like the Bulls would probably be part of that top five. Um, but why don't you give for the fans that maybe weren't able to check Twitter or anything or are hearing late? What are the details of the two trades the Bulls decided to make today? Okay, so the first trade the Bulls made today was with the Detroit Pistons sending Jameer Nelson to Detroit and the Pistons sending back their center, Willie Reed. Remember, he's the one who was currently serving a suspension, a six-game suspension for that domestic violence incident Get his ass out of here. this past summer. Uh, clearly, you know, the Bulls are trying to be, a, a, you know, a positive culture, high-character guys. They weren't ever planning on keeping him. They plan on waiving him. Uh, and essentially, what the Bulls did here was uh, uh, add the rights to swap second-round picks with Detroit in 2022. Woo! So the Pistons were in need of some help in that backcourt. Obviously, Jameer Nelson is a guy who knows Stan Van Gundy very well. Spent, I think, five seasons together in Orlando, including a, that trip to the finals in 2009. A veteran that Stan Van likes and trusts. So it makes sense from the Pistons' perspective. From the Bulls' perspective, you know, Nelson came over in the Nico trade. They weren't really planning on keeping him around. So even something as simple as, you know, moving him, creating a small trade exception, I think it's, you know, it's about a $1.5 million trade exception the Bulls made by sending away Nelson. And they, assuming that the Pistons end up having a higher second-round pick than the Bulls in 2022... The Bulls can swap those picks if they wish. So really, if the Bulls didn't find something here for Nelson, you know, he probably would have just been waived and, and you know, looked to, to add a contender um, after the deadline anyway. So there's that one. And then the second deal the Bulls make today is sending the rights to Milovan Rakovic. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> who? What? A guy who will probably never play in the NBA. To Portland, who send Noah Vonley uh, to the Bulls in a salary dump. Uh, Noah Vonley, a former lottery pick, ninth overall in 2014, has not really gotten a great chance yet in the NBA. Um, an interesting guy, not exactly a prototypical stretch four for Fred's offense, not much of a three-point shooter in the NBA level yet, uh, but a, a great upside 22 year old as far as his athleticism a solid rebounder a guy with 7-3 wingspan big hands and some some nice defensive potential as well and I know Jordan from his days uh in Big Ten basketball you you spent a good amount of time covering Von Ley so let's start with that one what are your thoughts on the Bulls adding Von Ley who is going to be a restricted free agent this summer yeah I think the one thing with Vonley especially when he came out of college first of all I thought he went way too early like for for his stock at the point where he was a freshman at Indiana he was one of the best big men in in the Big Ten he was one of the best big men uh in NCAA basketball so for his sake his stock wasn't going to be much higher but I think in terms of developing his game and what Tom Crean could have done with big men and what he's shown to do, uh, turning guys into even even high recruits, turning them into legit NBA players. Um, he's done that with a bunch, a multitude of players. He did it with Cody Zeller. He did it with Troy Williams, Yogi Ferrell. The, the list goes on and on. So um, for Noah Vonley, I think he's been, he, he's had a tough go. Uh, first with Charlotte. I think there, Charlotte, for some reason, stacked up a bunch of big men in over the course of like two seasons and he didn't get much play 
playing time there. Um, then he was shipped off to Portland, where I think for three seasons he did battle a couple different injuries. He's only played in 33 games so far this season. His stats don't look great, but I just don't think he's really gotten an opportunity. If you think about what's on Portland's roster, they have a bunch of big men too. So he, I feel like for a lot of times he got clogged. I still think for what the Bulls gave up, which was literally nothing, like literally, literally nothing. nothing. For what they gave up for a 22-year-old who's only commanding $4.3 million this year. And like you said, he's a restricted free agent. I don't believe Portland picked up his qualifying offer for next season, which was $4.7 million. So I believe that maybe there's going to be some interest for Vonley. I doubt it from other teams. So I think if the Bulls like what they see in 25 or 30 minutes of time or 30, 25 or 30 games uh, to extend the season, I think they'll probably get him pretty cheap. I think that that move alone... And to kind of throw this factor out there, too, is Noel finally played the five in college. He played center. He's only 6'10". He's listed as 6'10", 240. I think it's an interesting combination if if Fred can use Vonley and Portis as his front court. I think that's got kind of an interesting dynamic. And Vonley's a pretty solid rebounder. His scoring has been here and there, but he was touted in college as a pretty decent score and could shoot the three at a pretty decent level. I know that hasn't translated to the NBA per se, but I think for what the Bulls got in nothing, which was the one thing I was asking for the Bulls to do, if they weren't going to move Justin Holiday or Robin Lopez, is go out and get a guy that's young that maybe a team has given up on. And the Bulls were able to do that just by having Portland be having Portland needing to clear cap I think this was this is a great move for the Bulls and at least at least a 30 game tryout for a guy that you could probably bring back pretty cheap and maybe be a piece off the bench I think it's a great move and he's only 22 years old 22 years old keep that in mind yeah he's a young flyer this is something that uh, Darnell Mayberry of The Athletic and I talked about in our interview earlier this week you know the Bulls might not find a deal for Lopez or Holiday and we can talk about the fact that they're staying a little bit more in a second, but that if the Bulls are going to do something, they're going to use their cap flexibility to take on some team's unwanted contract with that kind of young flyer player in tow. And that's essentially exactly what Vonley is. You mentioned the Bulls will get a chance to take a look at him and see as a restricted free agent in 2018, if they want to invest in him and, you know, and that's what it is. It's a flyer. And if the Bulls, had the had the financial flexibility to do that then why not I know you know a lot of Bulls fans will probably be disappointed in this move in that it's you know they were wishing for something more they would would have wanted to get another first round pick for either Lopez or Holiday or maybe packaging them both together but there's no harm in taking a look at this 22 year old who really hasn't had much of an opportunity yet at the NBA level and It'll be interesting to see how he works his way into the rotation with Fred's front court. I mean, you still got Markkanen starting. You still got Bobby Portis. We just heard from Paxson and his immediate post-deadline comments, and we can get into more of those in tomorrow's episode, that he does plan on giving Felicio a good amount of minutes after the All-Star break. So where Vonley fits into that to, to for his trial run to see if the Bulls are interested in keeping him on board further, I guess we'll have to wait and see exactly how that's going to pan out. But, 
you know, no no harm done. No like no home harm done by adding Vonley in this move. And as an added bonus, it does bring the Bulls, you know, a couple million dollars closer to the cap floor, which they still need to reach. Yeah, so I guess the biggest question here is what are they gonna do with guys like Omer Sheik? Do you like Omer Sheik, obviously they the Bulls can stretch out that contract for four or five years over two point nine million dollars. You also have Cristiano Felicio, still got Robin Lopez on the roster. You're gonna have Larry Markin and Bobby Portis and now Noel Vonley. I mean, that's six big guys right there that you're gonna have to figure out what you're gonna do, how Fred's gonna be able to put some guys in that rotation. So I think it's gonna be interesting, but uh some numbers behind Noah Vonley's one season at Indiana, just to give you some context. I know his NBA stats aren't that great. Um, but he was a fifty two point three percent shooter um that was third best for big men in the big 10 and the ncaa when he played in 2013-2014 he shot 48.5 percent from three he averaged about two three pointers per game so like i said he's not i agree with what you and darnell were saying about his three-point shooting and bobby portis a better three-point shooter than no vonley completely agree with that um no vonley can knock down the three though if he's asked to do it i'd like to see him do it a little bit more consistently but 11.3 points per game and he was a nine nine rebound a game type of player in the big 10 so um when the big 10 was actually pretty good that year uh indiana missed the tournament when he was there um but he had some pretty solid stats and and the one thing that jumps out to me as the biggest part of this, if anything, for Noah Vonley, is he's an excellent rebounder. He's an excellent defensive rebounder, too. So, um, yeah, I think per 36 minutes, he's averaging close to 13 boards this season. Yeah, so, yeah, he was. I mean, that that's pretty impressive. He was first in the Big Ten in total rebounds, first in defensive rebounds, um, total rebounds per game in the Big Ten as well. He was first in. So, if anything, like the Bulls rebounding wasn't all that bad before and now you add another rebounder for nothing and giving this guy a tryout i like it i like the move and i like the move too um with jameer nelson just going kind of going back to that real fast like the bulls were going to cut him anyway so if you if you got like you got something for him like it's not that big of a deal you're swapping second round picks in four or five years from now like at least you got something for him like and you don't have to pay him and keep him on the roster so I I just think it's going to be an interesting move to figure out what they're going to do with all these big men now in their front court and how they're going to give some of these young guys enough time to really evaluate them before um, before the summer comes because like you said not Nola Vonley's on a deal you still got Portis coming back and maybe Robin Lopez's move this summer and maybe that's an option that they're going to try and do or they're going to think about I don't know what they're going to do with Omer Sheik. Like they like they could buy him out, but that's a pretty expensive buyout. Yeah, and, and to your point about Von Ley and Bobby Portis, Portis is shooting thirty two point five percent from deep this season. I think he's cooled off a little bit. He was shooting uh, better than that earlier this season, and he's taken you know almost three three pointer three point attempts per game. Von Ley is actually shooting better. He's, he's hitting at a 33.3% clip, but he's only taken 0.2 per game. So as you said, maybe it's just the fact that he never has really gotten that opportunity in the role he's been asked to play, uh, whether it was hit the beginning of his career in Charlotte or his his three seasons in Portland, that uh, maybe that's something that can present itself now that he's going to be playing in a Fred Hoiberg system for at least the back end of the Yeah, so I want to follow up too now that we talked about those deals. So I think we're both in agreement that the Bulls did did as much as they could through this off like through this trade deadline and still even you gotta account for the Nico trade too as well. Um for the fans that you think are disappointed in not being able to move Justin Holiday and Robin Lopez, and I want to get your thoughts on this too. My initial reaction is like look around the league and look at what 
people were potentially offering teams to try and acquire a first round pick. And the one thing that I think is constant throughout everybody around the league is like first round picks are the most valuable they ever have been in the NBA. And for the Bulls to be able to pull off a deal where they traded Nico Miritich for a mid-teens first round pick, and that was only one of three first round picks moved at the deadline, like the Clippers couldn't even get a first round pick for DeAndre Jordan. Like people didn't want to give up uh, first round picks for stars that they were willing to acquire. I get that DeAndre Jordan's on an expiring contract. He's not guaranteeing that he's coming back, but like you got to think like there are some legit names out there that could have commanded first round picks that ended up not. And like teams are holding on to their picks. And maybe that, maybe this is an over evaluation of what the 2018 draft is, or maybe the shift of the NBA going younger and wanting to keep building from the bottom up. Um, so what are your thoughts on that as far as first round picks, how the Bulls did overall and what that impact of the Nico trade is now looking past all these deals that were done today and over the last few days? Yeah, that was one of the more interesting tweets that I saw from Woj this morning before he started dropping actual bombs on trades is that everything he was hearing this week leading up to today's deadline and you know going into today's final action is that teams were protective of their first round draft picks more than ever before and you know teams that were buyers were really reluctant to give up first round draft picks teams that were sellers were really hoping to find them but really had no luck finding them I mean the Cavs sending their own pick not the Brooklyn pick but their own pick which is you know right now somewhere in the 20s to the Lakers in that big multiple player trade is the only first round pick that got moved today if I'm if I'm looking at it correctly so the fact that the Bulls were able to get that first rounder for Nico, when you take everything into consideration, the you know the the locker room problem, the fight with Nico or the fight with Bobby, the fact that nobody wanted him as a free agent last summer, and the Bulls managed to turn that into what looks like it will now be a pick in the mid-teens. When you look at every other team that was trying to get first round picks, tried to pry them away and couldn't. I mean. Towards the end of the deadline today, the Magic traded Alfred Payton to the Suns for a second rounder. And look, I'm not saying that Alfred Payton is like a fantastic player, but he's, you know, he's been a, a pretty consistent role player, a starter for Orlando for several seasons. They couldn't get a first rounder for him. Could only get a second rounder. I think looking back on this, the the Nico trade and getting a first rounder for him is looking better and better. And when it comes to not making another deal, if the Bulls were trying to add value in the form of draft picks for Robin Lopez or Justin Holiday, Paxson in his comments after the deadline passed said the Bulls were offered multiple multi-year bad contracts to take on, which they could have done with their cap flexibility. And he said, we were comfortable adding uh, Omer Sheik's deal in the Nico trade, but that was because that's only guaranteed $3 million in 2019-2020. He said that they didn't want to add bad money that goes beyond the 2018-19 season. Much like they signed Wade and Rondo and took a chance on that, and those were still poor decisions in my opinion, but they were short-term. Bulls are still thinking short-term and long-term financial flexibility, and maybe they would have been able to pry another first-round pick in you know the the 20s or 30s or maybe a first round pick with protections on it if they sent away Lopez or Holiday and took on a bad contract but it sounds like they weren't ready to do that 
And they, they also do highly value the veteran leadership of those two guys. So to me, yeah, it's a little bit disappointing, but considering where they are and what they were able to accomplish in the Nico deal, I think all in all, the trade deadline is a win. You want to know something sad about the Alfred Payton deal? Let me just read this to you. So the Orlando Magic traded two picks for to acquire Alfred Payton. So those picks ended up turning into Dario Saric and the pick that Sacramento used to take Deer and Fox. And they also had a pick that ended up turning into Willie Herndon Gomez for Alfred Payton. And they turn around and use that and get only a second round pick back for him. How bad, like if you look at that deal and you thought the Cameron Payne deal for like the, the, the trail that you could follow for Doug McDermott, like I look at that and that's like, holy crap, that is awful. Like Dario Saric, De'Aaron Fox, Willie Hernan Gomez. Like, I don't know what the Orlando Magic, like what their talent evaluators are doing down there, but they've given up a lot of really solid players over the last three or four years that that could be they they could be a playoff roster at this point if they would have kept everybody that they they thought initially was going to be good. They turn it out to be they turn out to be players that uh, have an impact and they instead decide to pay guys like Evan Fournier in Bismarck. Biombo like large amounts of cash and then give up on guys like Tobias Harris, Victor Oladipo, uh, Alfred Payton. Now, I mean, the list goes on and on. So I have no idea what they're doing in Orlando, but that's a pretty awful stretch if you're trailing that Alfred Payton deal all the way back to its original roots. Like the Doug McDermott campaign deal looks bad, yeah, but this does. looks even worse. I mean, there were some questionable trades that happened today. Um, and I'm, I mean, that one definitely, I raised an eyebrow at that one thinking like, wow, geez. Um, you, the, the more you saw deals getting done that involved picks, the, the more you thought, wow, like the, the Bulls actually got a first round pick. <laughs> a, what looks to be a good middle of the first round pick with only a top five protection on it for Nico, like, <laughs> I, I hate to do it. I hate to credit the Bulls front office, but when they deserve credit, they should get credit. We criticize them when they deserve criticism, but that Nico trade right now, as you said when we started talking about this, looks like one of the better trades that happened before the deadline. Okay, so let's get to some let's get to some around the NBA, everything else that happened besides the Bulls. So overall, I would think the Bulls did a pretty good job here. Um what was expected for maybe trying to move Robin Lopez or Justin Holiday? It's all right. I, I'm okay with them not moving it them at this point. Um maybe you look to the summer where I think Justin Holiday is going to have a lot more value, um especially around the NBA draft and maybe leading up to free agency. He's going to be a guy that I feel like a lot of teams are going to be interested in. Um Robin Lopez is just tough. I mean, like the money is tough there too. Like a lot of teams are in the luxury tax, especially the ones that are trying to go for it. Like I heard yesterday that seven teams were paying the luxury tax and that was like the most in the NBA history. So that's pretty crazy that a lot of teams were suffering, getting crippled by a lot of these deals that they made. But let's go around the NBA real fast. So obviously the two Cleveland deals that went down that were kind of back to back. So Cleveland gets George Hill and Rodney Hood from in a three-way deal from the Utah Jazz. Uh, the Sacramento Kings get Joe Johnson, Iman Shumpert, and 2020 second round pick uh, from Miami via Cleveland. And then Utah got Jay Crowder and Derrick Rose. Utah ended up waving Derrick Rose. So let's let's start and stop here real fast. So Derrick Rose ended up getting waved by Utah. Now the Timberwolves have interest in bringing in Derrick Rose. What are your thoughts about that? What do you think Jimmy Butler is running through his mind when he sees that on Twitter today? 
I just I like I laughed so hard when I saw those couple of successive tweets from Mark Stein mentioning D Rose and the fact that there's mutual interest there and obviously there's the history with Tom Thibodeau. I mean, because I was wondering myself, like assuming Utah buys him out uh, or waves him, like what what playoff team, what contender is really going to want to add Rose when they look at his production or lack thereof in Cleveland this season? Like he has looked bad. Like, no offense. I'm sorry, Derek, but he has looked bad. And you wonder who thought they could add value. And then sure enough, like, as I was tweeting about, like, I wonder who might want him even. Stein was like, D-Rose to the T-Wolves. I was like, oh, my God. Hashtag Timber Bulls. It's getting crazier. Um, I just, you know, I think back to they they tried to downplay that divide in the Bulls locker room between Derek and Joakim and Jimmy Butler, the rising star. And Butler always said, like, look, if we were winning most of our games, this wouldn't be an issue. We wouldn't be talking about it. Well, yeah, the Bulls weren't winning most of their games in that final season when D. Rose was here and Jimmy was ascending. And there was a power struggle in that locker room. And there were also reports that were coming out saying Jimmy Butler, you know, he likes Derek as a person. He's a nice guy, but he doesn't respect his work ethic. And that report becomes so much more believable when you put into context all of the other things Jimmy Butler has said in the past year or so about holding teammates accountable and wanting teammates to be as much of a hard worker as he is. And that he, that's what he's trying to bring to Minnesota. That was the divide and that was the struggle with some of his younger teammates in Chicago when things kind of went down south there. Like, that totally makes sense. And so now I wonder, like... Like the the Bulls had issues trying to like run take turns going ISO with D Rose and Jimmy Butler. Like it didn't really work very well. So my 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 final thought on the Rose thing is even if he does sign with Minnesota, I've seen, you know, T Wolf fans on Twitter all day being like, Oh my god, if he takes any minutes from Tyus Jones, I'm gonna kill myself. <laughs> I don't th- I don't I don't think that's happening. Zach Harper who is you know a great basketball writer for Fan Rag and and a guy who knows everything about Minnesota Timberwolves basketball said the way he understands it the way he's been hearing about it Rose would essentially just be a roster depth insurance policy if for some reason one of their guards was was to get injured so to me in that sense it makes sense but asking him to play alongside Jimmy Butler no no way and let's be honest too like Tibbs plays his starters like forty two minutes a night so. Even with Derrick Rose, Jimmy Jimmy played forty six in that OT <laughs> loss against the Cavs last night. So, like, even if he was signed to the Timberwolves, like, like you had said, Tyus Jones is going to get the backup minutes. So, I didn't even expect him to play. I just thought it was a funny storyline that they were even like throwing out the idea of signing Derrick Rose. It's just classic Tom Thibodeau just raking in all of his ex Bulls players to just come and form this roster up there. But like you said, I think outside of Derrick, like for Derrick Rose, I think this is probably the end unless he goes somewhere to just be a roster filler. Um, I don't know how much is left there and like where he could go outside of the Timberwolves. Shanghai Knights, baby. <laughs> he could go play in China. He he's loved in China. But um, a couple other deals that did happen too. So going to Cleveland's, uh, this was actually their first deal. That was the second deal that was made. But within 15 minutes, we heard of uh, of that deal. There was the Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance Jr. to the Cleveland Cavaliers for Channing Fry, Isaiah Thomas in a 2018 first round pick. And so that is Cleveland's first round pick. From my understanding, it's heavily protected too. So uh, I didn't see the full protections out there, but I'm 
assuming that it's probably top 25 protected, top 28 protected maybe even. Um, But this move for LeBron to pretty much flip a third of the roster, and I'm saying LeBron because it is GM LeBron, um, for him to flip the roster in like a third of the time and get some players, I don't know if it really moves the needle for you at all, but at least it's just clear out that bad culture that was going on in the constant rumors of everything that was happening in the locker room. Um, IT goes to the Lakers, which it already sounds like he is in a battle for to figure out whether or not he's going to start. Like he insists that he's going to start. There was a report that he insists that he's going to start and would would refuse absolutely refuse coming off the bench playing behind Lonzo Ball. Um, but for the Lakers, I mean, this is more more important for the Lakers than anything else. They clear cap space in order to bring on a max deal in maybe 2018 or 2019. Um, for both perspective, what did you think about these two deals for the Cleveland Cavaliers? Does it move the needle for you at all? Do you think LeBron can get them back to the finals, uh, moving some of these guys around now? Look, do I think that the Cavs got better with the deals they made today? Yes. I mean, adding Clarkson and Nance, you know, young and athletic, adding Rodney Hood, George Hill, and getting rid of defensive nightmares like Rose and Wade and IT. Crowder never really fit in. Shumpert's contract was a nightmare. Like, yes, they got better. And I think maybe it pushes the Cavs back to being the favorites to still come out of the East as opposed to maybe if they didn't do anything, if they didn't do all of these moves, they would fall apart and lose to Boston or Toronto or whoever in you know the semis or the, or the conference finals. I think if all these moves, including, and we haven't mentioned yet, that they plan on using an open roster space to bring in Kendrick Perkins, a beloved veteran who is a great <laughs> locker room oh guy. I think if LeBron can put his house in order, specifically that locker room, and get people to tighten up a little bit on the defensive end, like I'm not saying that they're going to get a lot better defensively. I'm saying it doesn't necessarily matter with the talent that they have now. Does it make a difference against Golden State in the finals? Or, you know, if Houston knocks off Golden State against Houston in the finals? No, it doesn't. This Cavs team maybe helped their chances to get back to the finals for a fourth straight year with this with these moves today, but they did nothing to move the needle against any team that gets to the finals from the Western Conference. Not at all. Yeah, I don't... To me, it makes them better in terms of maybe, like, at least standing a chance if they do get back to the finals. Like... George Hill's a pretty decent defender. Uh, he can knock down the three. He doesn't need to have the ball in his hands at all times. Uh, Rodney Hood's a baller, and I think maybe in a system where LeBron's there and there's some other guys that they can lean on, you can get the best out of Rodney Hood. Um, getting rid of guys like Jay Crowder, Derek Rose, and he, you even talked about Dwayne Wade, who went back to the Heat for a second-round pick. Ha. But, like, getting rid and clearing all— Bulls still paying him. <laughs> and then clearing Iman Shumpert's contract, too, like— and then not having to give up the Brooklyn pick to kind of improve this roster. Uh, I think in terms of getting back to the finals, probably I think, I think the Celtics are going to give them a good battle and I don't know what I can't tell. I have to, I think I have to see this Cavs team play out for a little while uh, in order to make that assumption. But the Celtics look damn good. It's kind of like a weird move because 
they went bang, bang, made both of these trades like three hours before the deadline. And I thought it was kind of a savvy move in terms of like not letting the Celtics or the Raptors make a pivot or even Washington make a pivot for a move or have a deal lined up. They just kind of went out there. So I'm wondering if these deals were on the table for a few days or maybe even a week before this happened. So for the Cavs to do this, they didn't like they didn't allow any team in the East to get better. And I I think like now it makes it just look like, okay, they couldn't be any worse than they already were. So looking at this roster now, I mean, at least they shifted themselves if LeBron does leave too, where now they have some young pieces that they can build on if LeBron does in fact leave after this summer. Yeah. And I mean, I think specifically in the case of Isaiah Thomas, if you talk about maybe these deals were in place or maybe the decisions had been made and the, the, the Cavs were just waiting to make their move. I think in the case of IT, that's absolutely true because he was just talking his way out of Cleveland. I think maybe the last draw was him calling out Ty Lue and some of the coaching decisions that he's been making recently. I mean, come mm-hmm. on, dude. You've been in there. You've been playing, what, not even 20 games yet? And you look like a shadier former self from before that hip injury. And you're causing locker room problems. You're running your mouth in the locker room when you really haven't been there that long. LeBron clearly thought his defense was a big part of the problem. And, I mean, that, like, they had to trade Isaiah Thomas. So I think that one everybody kind of saw as something likely to happen. And then all of the pieces that went along with that and the the other moves, you know, that is what really surprised people that, as you said, it kind of all snowballed and happened all at once. And there was, I mean, they have between guys leaving and guys coming a turnover of 10 players. The, The Cavs roster changed by 10 players today. That's crazy. Um, and the other thought that I had about this Cavs Lakers deal is that it's kind of ironic that the Lakers cleared that cap space with moving Clarkson and Nance. And they said, and it was a report from, I think, Ramona Shelburne of ESPN earlier this week. They're like, yeah, they're actually going to be pushing their eyes to the 2019 free agency, the Lakers, not 2018. Well, they cleared that cap space that they've been trying to clear and the Cavs helped them do it. And what is the one team that people keep talking about as the team most likely to lure LeBron away? It's the Lakers. Now, to me, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because even what, like Lonzo Ball and who else? Like, is that really enough to lure LeBron just for the idea of playing in Hollywood? I don't know about that. I, You know, I, Spurs, Rockets, Sixers are another team people are talking about as far as LeBron leaving Cleveland. But because it's the Lakers and everybody's been talking about it, and the Cavs are the team that helped them clear the space to potentially, you know, lure LeBron and sign not just LeBron, but two max players. If LeBron's hesitant because he doesn't see enough talent, but the Lakers now have enough talent or have enough money to go sign another star, maybe a Paul George. Like, man, talk about a backfire for the Cavs going all in to get back to the finals this season, which I think they did help their chances to do that, as I said. But if also they opened up the door for one of the biggest potential suitors to lure LeBron away. Man, how crazy. Can I be that? honest with you? I'll I'll say that I pretty I, I have a pretty confident feeling that this is a double middle finger by Dan Gilbert to LeBron James saying, you know what? I made the roster better now. And you know what? Even if you do leave, the roster's gonna be in better shape than maybe it than maybe it was twenty four hours ago. Oh, absolutely. I mean, replacing guys like Wade and Rose and Crowder and Chump absolutely with Hood and I mean, you know, obviously Hood's they're going to have to pay him if they want to keep him. But 
with young guys. Like, I mean, they got younger. They added interesting wing pieces that are more complementary to the three-point game that NBA teams love to play, should be playing. They set themselves up for being in a little bit less of a hole if LeBron leaves, and they did so without trading that Brooklyn Yeah, pick. and that's the biggest factor of it all. And two, I think like... The one middle finger is, all right, we're going to go give you a bunch of these, get you a bunch of these players that can help you now. And we're going to clear all your buddies out. We're going to clear all the conflict out. The other middle finger is like, okay, we we helped the Lakers clear cap space for you. So if you want to leave, go ahead and leave and we'll be all right. Like that to me is what Dan Gilbert's saying. I'm also not defending Dan Gilbert. Like I, I, the one thing I said about Dan Gilbert is that I was on his side for not not giving in to LeBron wanting to trade that Brooklyn pick to go get better pieces right now. Like I'm on his side, like, dude, you're like, I'm not rolling the dice for that outside of that. Like it's a double middle finger to LeBron. Like, okay, make your move. Like do you want to make it back to the finals? One last go here. And if you're out, you're out. Then we at least got a couple pieces like Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance. We'll have that lottery pick from Brooklyn. We'll be all right here for the future. Um, So I think like, in terms of for both LeBron's situation and for the Cavaliers' situation, I think it's a pretty good deal for them. Um, but I wanted to go around the rest of the league real quick for you. Before we get to some, um, Matt and I both did interviews on two separate Timberwolves shows uh, over the last 24 hours, and we want to give you the best of that at the back half of this show. Just some questions, some Timberwolves-related stuff. Um, we're also going to have a Timberwolves writer for the from The Athletic Minnesota and Sporting News on tomorrow, so we'll get you all your Timberwolves stuff um, leading up to the game tomorrow night. But Quickly, Doug McDermott, uh, other former Bull, was traded today in a three-way deal. Uh, he went to the Dallas Mavericks, the Denver Nuggets, got Devin Harris, and a 2018 second-round pick from the Los Angeles Clippers via New York. And the Knicks get back Emmanuel Moutier and 2018 second-round pick from Portland. Um, there was another deal, two small deals made out there. The Detroit Pistons traded for James Ennis and Bryce Johnson in a second-round pick. Go back to the Memphis Grizzlies. And that was pretty much that was I would say that was pretty much the bulk of the deals. We talked about the Alfred Payton deal to the Suns. Um, Anything else that kind of stood out to you today other than the small moves? No, there were a couple of other small ones that uh, really, I mean, I don't think make huge impact anywhere. Certainly not for the Bulls or, or any, you know, contending teams this season, just kind of like moving money around kind of deals. Um you mentioned the Dougie McBuckets three-way trade. How about Ames Mafia <laughs> hooking up with his old buddy Harrison Barnes in Dallas? L- little, little bit excited to see those two playing on the same team. Dude, Dallas is going to be. I think Dallas is like kind of intriguing. Like Harrison Barnes, like you get Doug McDermott there. You've got Dennis Smith Jr. Like I know for his bad and like the Mavericks are going to be probably in the top seven of the lottery this year. So like. I mean, what Dallas is kind of doing is kind of interesting to me, at least. Um, And some of the other teams that like are young and progressive, like the Phoenix Suns had such a bad point guard problem. And now him playing alongside Devin Booker, I think that could be interesting for Alfred Payton. Um, The Bulls, like we said, made great deals today. And I thought like overall, if you had to grade this team, if you had to grade the Bulls leading up to the trade deadline to kind of summarize this entire thing. If you had to grade them scale A to F, um, how would you grade the Bulls moves overall and looking at the rest of the league and what they did and maybe some of the teams that are battling to try to get a top five pick here? How would you grade the Bulls overall? Okay, as much as I am a little bit disappointed that they weren't able to find a deal to move 
Lopez or Holiday. Was also thinking maybe they could squeeze a little something out of OKC for Tony Allen today. That didn't happen. The OKC and a few other teams will probably just approach Allen once the Bulls wave him. So, you know, you couldn't really expect the Bulls to to strike something great there. A little bit disappointed with the lack of activity and the, the you know, meh deals. I'm, I, I am intrigued by Vonley. But including the Nico deal as far as the trade deadline grade that you give the Bulls, looking across and comparing it with everything else, what every other team was able to accomplish or didn't accomplish, I have to give them a solid B. I mean, I really do. I'm not going to go as far as an A because I think that's, you know, to get an A on deadline day, you make a big move that turns your team that's a competitor into a even bigger, stronger competitor. I think that's kind of what you need to do to warrant an A on deadline day. So given what, where the Bulls are and what they're trying to accomplish from today moving forward, got to give them a solid B. And C for me, I would, I'm probably going to give him a B plus. I was hanging between a minus and B plus because I just think what they got in return for Nico in that teens first round pick and the things that you can do with the Omer Sheik contract. I know I keep going back to that, but that's huge for the decision of whether or not where this team's at in a year or two. Like that's huge. So yeah, they can stretch it or they can just pay him $3 million to walk away in the 2019, 20 season. Like they've got some options there. Getting Von Lay for nothing. I think that's a B deal. I thought the, the overall, the, the Nico deal was probably an a minus for the bulls having to throw a second round pick in there and take on Tony Allen, Jameer Nelson, um, and then take on Omer Sheik. But getting that first round pick was huge. So I'd give that an A minus. I would give the the Vonley deal a B just because you gave gave literally nothing up for him. Jameer Nelson doesn't move the needle for me at all. So overall, I would say probably B minus. And for the Bulls getting one of the highest draft picks that was traded and one of the three first round picks that was traded this year, um, I think just from the history of what the front office has been to in the bad deals that they have made in the past. I think this is pretty good for the front office. Um, yeah, I mean, think about what they did at the deadline last season. That's a big factor, too, is like, think about the deals that they made over the course of the last three years, like the decisions that they, d- they decided and, to make. And a few years back when they absolutely should have traded Pau Gasol for something. <laughs> Thank you, yes. And all they did was like dump Kirk Heinrich in a salary dump <laughs> when you could have absolutely traded Pau. But, oh, no, Pau's part of our core. No, come on. I think... Looking back compared to the past few seasons at the deadline, this season, based on where the Bulls are and where they're trying to go, much better performance. And something I I made, I can't remember who, but somebody on Bulls Twitter made a note of the fact that like, hey, you know, we've been hearing from Paxson leading up to the deadline. We just heard from Paxson again after. There is just guard disappeared. As we talk about what kind of grade the Bulls front office gets, I think it's worth <laughs> noticing. We've talked about this before, Jordan. It's like Doug Collins is a senior advisor to John Paxson. John Paxson is handling all interviews, whether it be media, you know, Bulls beat writers, or doing interviews on Chicago sports radio stations. He's he's the one making every explanation, talking through every decision, and Gar is just nowhere to be found. So maybe we give the grade and the applause to John Paxson more so than Gar Pax's one exactly. single entity. Exactly. The Again, thing- they are two different people. And it's basically like the Bulls fired Gar but didn't fire him. <laughs> like he's he's not – where is he? Where the hell is Gar? I'll Nobody tell you, knows. I'll tell you where he is. He's out evaluating college basketball's finest talent, which scares in, the in, absolute in shit Ames, out Iowa? of me. In Ames, Iowa, right? 
<laughs> oh my Christ. god we gotta get our cracks in i guess even on a successful nba trade trade deadline still getting our cracks in there um finally i did want to say one more thing before we get to those interviews the bobby port is 40 seconds 47 seconds video that the chicago bulls social media put out there first of all applause to the bulls social media because they do put out some pretty great stuff and the video content that they have been doing this year is awesome um whether or not you're you're whatever your feelings oh, are fantastic. about the bulls but that little <laughs> kid henry he's so damn cute oh my god oh the tv the tv stuff that they do too is fantastic but i had to bring up the video the 47 seconds where bobby portis was just rattling off questions that they were asking him my two favorites which ended up being your two favorites coincidence i don't think so is the fact that he said his hidden talent is the best bowler in his county i'm one of the best bowlers in my region and he also said that if he had to pick two players from past or present to play along, one player to play alongside, he would clone himself and play against, play with another Bobby Portis. So if I can play with anybody in the NBA, uh, I would make two of myself and have two Bobby Portises out there. Two classic answers from Portis. Yeah, no, but also I have to make a slight correction on you there, Jordan. He said he was the best bowler in his region. Oh, <laughs> what does that even what, mean? What What the hell is a region? I'm one of the best bowlers in my region. Like, what is he talking? Is he talking about the Midwest? Is he talking about the greater Chicagoland area? Like, what is the best bowler in your region even? Does he belong to a bowling league that is broken down by regions? I'm so confused by that statement. Just, I, I just, the video is great. It was classic. And it shows a little bit of a lighter side to Bobby Portis than maybe other fans think of him um, outside of the Nico stuff that went on. But pretty cool, dude. I've listened to his stuff too. The 670 score does a tribute with him or does like a, uh, a local sponsorship with him for an hour in talks. But if you haven't got to catch any of those, they have the audio up as well. So it gives you kind of like the lighter side of Bobby Portis maybe than some of the things or the nothing that you've heard him from before definitely and to that end just uh, another quick announcement Paxson did say when meeting with the media briefly today after the deadline passed that they are planning uh, a little bit of a video tribute for Jimmy Butler and Taj Gibson uh, in that Bulls Wolves game tomorrow night Jordan you and I will be there Super stoked. Do you think they'll give a tribute for Tom Thibodeau? <laughs> no, I, no way. Absolutely not. And I think that, that like that's already kind of gone and passed. Like fa- fans will obviously cheer for him too. There'll probably be some mixed boos in there. The one thing that I will say, and we can talk extensively about this tomorrow, is I will be I'll be extremely angry with Bulls fans if they boo Jimmy Butler when he comes back. Like I'll be super disappointed in the fan base. I don't I don't think they will. I will I throw this out will. there. That there are Derrick Rose fans that may or may not be at the game that might have, like, they've been chirping on Twitter. I don't know, like, if you fall down the Derrick Rose hole at all on Twitter ever, but I was down there and it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't looking too good for Jimmy Butler. Like, Derrick Rose fans were chirping at Jimmy Butler saying, like, he was the reason Derrick Rose was pushed out of Chicago. So maybe there, there might be a slight mix of fans that do boo, but like, I hope it doesn't turn into a Paul George thing, what they did to him in Indianapolis. That would be so disappointing, especially after Jimmy saying that he wants to stay in Chicago and leading up to that deal he said he wanted yeah, to be look, here for all of jimmy's faults and for all of the ego stuff that he put the bulls through last season and he did to be fair i mean jimmy butler was not just some kid from tomball at the end of his chicago days he was a Dwayne he Wade's was fault. an egomaniac and part of that was d wade's fault but still jimmy butler was the savior of a franchise that was in need of a savior after all of the rose stuff happened and he kept them at least somewhat relevant. And there were so many epic Jimmy Butler performances at the United Center as he was rising to his stardom. 
I'm there might be a couple of boos here and there tomorrow night, but I am expecting absolutely majority will be allowed ovation and no doubt no boos only ovation for Taj Gibson one of the most well-liked and well-respected guys in a Bulls jersey in a long long time real quick how many points do you think Jimmy Jimmy drops on a Friday I was actually saying this when I was on the Locked On Wolves podcast this morning I if you know if I were putting money and the over under was 39 and a half I'd take the over I would too I said it on you know Jimmy Butler wants to just lay a beast of a game on Hoiberg and the Bull. I said it on the Howl on Dash Radio earlier this week that I think I said don't be surprised if Jimmy's out there dropping forty five or fifty on the Bulls on Friday night and he makes it a show for himself. I wouldn't mind watching that up close in person, right? I'm I'm with you on that. Real quick before we get out of here and give you guys those interviews, um, Chris Dunn was cleared out of con- uh, concussion protocol earlier today by Fred Hoiberg, but said he won't play in Friday or Saturday's matchup. So probably see Chris Dunn maybe sometime next week. Um, but it's good to hear that he's out of concussion protocol. Oh! Well, that's going to about do it here on Locked On Bulls. Remember, you can follow us on social media at Locked On Bulls on Twitter, at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Locked On Shy Bulls. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, and anywhere you find podcasts, you will find us. We're live on Dash Radio, dashradio.com, and the Dash Radio app on the Nothing But Net channel. We're live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central time. Remember to follow us on Dash radio free app 24 hours a day seven days a week 365 days a year free radio with the best most in-depth analysis of the nba on the nothing but net channel but for jordan and matt we are out see you tomorrow locked on bulls a show for the most passionate fan base in the nba hosts jordan malley and matt peck dive into the best bulls news and stories around the nba Locked on Bulls is live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com, part of FanRag Sports.